Welcome back, everybody, to the For Freedom Podcast. And this is a podcast where we seek to help you find freedom from the spiritual abuse of legalism. And uh, do what? So spit it out, John. Come on now. I, I know. I'm trying to think of this. You know, if we were like a professional podcast, we have like this little writ thing that we said every single time to let people know what they're listening to every time we do it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'm just not good at that kind of stuff. So yeah. we are what we are. And it, it has been several weeks since we've been behind the microphone, John. Well, this is actually going to be dropping on because we, we said we were going to a bi weekly schedule. So this is going to be dropping on the. Um, on the, the the actual date it's supposed to, but we were actually going to have an episode. I was going to have an episode for you last week, but uh, man, I got punched in the face. John got the Rona. Yeah, well, I guess, and like I was down for two days straight. Not only that, like mm. our septic tank all got all screwed up man I and mean, you imagine having a house full of people that's got to use the bathroom but yeah. nothing will f- you can't flush the toilets that sounds that sounds so exciting john we may need to edit that part out <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty gross oh. it was awful but uh god's been gracious we're out of that and i'm back to the land of the living oh it was a rough recovery though it was mm. it was different so anyways i had to cancel the interview that we had and we're going to get back to that. We, we get, we're going to re- get it rescheduled. We got a, another interview scheduled and um, some things coming up. But, um, you know, today we're going to get in, we're going to get back into our Galatians study. But before we do that, uh, yeah. James, but, I think we need to address them. A couple, couple of big things. Uh, if you're a sports fan, uh, Bengals, Rams in the Super Bowl. It's going to be a great time. Uh, it's going to be a great time. And I uh, can't wait to watch Joe Burrow win his Super Bowl. Macaulay Culkin. And, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm super excited. I, I reached out to our John, me and your former youth leader, Jeff Stevens. Oh, I uh, thought you said you reached out to Joe Burrow to see if he wanted to come on the podcast. <laughs> that's my next phone call today. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he's got me on speed dial, so we're good. Um, but I reached out to our former youth leader, and he was a he's a diehard Bengals fan and so I got his number John I texted him last night and uh, we were texting back and forth and so he's excited uh, I'm excited to watch it someone who's uh, never won one been there one time but able 33 years ago John I was just a little baby the last time the Bengals were in the Super Bowl um, I was just a couple of months old and so this is exciting time new era Tom Siason was the quarterback yeah yeah so so who's your pick Who's your pick? We always do oh, our picks Bengals. in the Super Bowls. You're going Bengals. Bengals, Bengals all okay. the way. Yeah. Since you're going Bengals, I think the magic right now is with the Bengals, but I do like Matthew Stafford. He's good. And I'm glad to see him finally in a Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go Rams. Okay. I think that they got the home field advantage. I they think do. that they got, uh, dude, they got Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Jalen Ramsey, Odell, Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. The team's stacked. They've got uh, a good team, yeah. And I like Sean McVay, the coach. So I, I'm going to go Rams, and so we'll see who. I think last time I picked the Bucks. You did, yeah. And, uh, and right. they won. Yeah. yeah. No, I picked the Chiefs. I think yeah, I went I Chiefs and the Bucks won. But anyways. Um, that was anyways. a year ago. Well, I don't yeah. remember that. And, so. you know, there's another thing going around. Mm. Um, we were good. The, 
I had told John we should do a whole episode on this, but we just we're not prepared for it. Yeah, um, maybe in the future we will because there's a lot to it. But John, go ahead and tell us what about. Well, it. there's a clip going around about uh, with this guy Greg Locke saying that um, he's children... not far from you, is it, John? Do what? He's not far from you, is he? No, he's in Nashville, yeah. Mount Juliet, to be specific. Hour away from uh, you. actually down there, right next to uh, Jeremy Williams. Shout out to Jeremy Williams. Um, yeah, he had lunch he's with down there in his backyard. Week. Do didn't, I? You, didn't you have go have lunch with Greg and had him come preach for you at your church? You heard no, good I did not. I did are not. good buddies. Um, but uh, let me, uh, full disclosure, though, Greg Locke, he used to be in the IFB, and yeah. he preached at our college. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then he made waves coming out of the IFB, and then he went through his own little troubles. He got sort of a public... Um, persona by his rant videos about politics on social media, got him on Fox News and all that kind of stuff. And then his wife left him. And listen, I'm not going to go into like what happened there. I've heard a couple of different stories. I've actually heard some things from people that are close to the situation because I'm here in the area and know some people that know him. I don't know what happened. And I'm not going to say what happened uh, because I don't know. Uh, I do know one thing that is a fact is that um, like a few months after his divorce went through, he marries his secretary. And um, and it seems to me that since then, if you didn't know who this guy was, I see why this thing really, 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 really made you mad. But if you knew who Greg Locke was before this, this should not like upset you that much because you should already know this guy's been off the deep end. Yeah. And I know that's pretty that's pretty blunt, but I mean, this is a guy who like declared Donald Trump was still president like six months after the election was finalized and Biden was sworn in. Yeah. I mean, it's like, okay, buddy. I mean, it, it's just he's he he he's gone further and further deeper off the handle, and he and he keeps going. He's doing a series at his church on deliverance. And that's why we're not going to go into this because we don't, you know, we'd, we'd have to refute like things on demonology and demon possession. And we just don't have the time to go into that with our schedules and stuff. But wh- the thing that, that made a lot of headway was he made the comment about those that are kids that are struggling with um, autism and epilepsy and those types of things. They don't need a doctor. They have a demon either possessing or oppressing them. And there is a difference between possession and oppression. But, um, yeah, I'm just going to go out and say that's asinine. That's about the dumbest thing um, I think I've heard in a long time. It's, it's idiotic. Um, and it just goes to show that this is just the ramblings and rantings of someone who has gone off the deep end. And uh, the sad part of it is that he has people that are following him to uh, – to a very strong degree. I don't know. I'm saying some strong things about it. James, do you have any yeah. comments about uh, it? You know, John, right now with uh, everyone's trying to get a headline, if you're following yeah. the news at all, you're, and when you understand that concept, you understand what's going on with Spotify and Joni Mitchell, how Joe uh, Rogan, Joe Rogan, that whole, you know, who even, whoever listens to the four songs that Joni Mitchell ever put out, but <laughs> it's Johnny Mitchell. But but he came out and said that if he didn't or, or she I don't remember if they didn't get if they didn't take Joe Rogan off 
So all of a sudden now everybody's listening to this person's music because they're just trying to get a, a headline. And, and that's what it felt like for me, because as soon as he put it out, people that aren't even in the circle of Greg Locke was sharing this information and sharing this video on social media. And, and it was a, a way for him to go viral. It was a way for him to people say his name and people talk about him. Um, and so, you know, we're talking about him on this show and, uh, there, there are people that of course, when they make things like that, we need to refute, we need to talk about, and we will eventually. Uh, but you know, we, there's a reason why we don't share, um, clips by certain people on this show, because we don't want to give them a platform at all. And we don't want to lift them up. And, and I feel that's what it is. He's trying to say something. Uh, I don't think he realized what he said was going to go as viral as he did. No, I did. I think he did. You really do? Oh, absolutely. I think that that was, I think, I think he looks for things to say. Okay. That'll go viral and trigger people. Okay. That's my opinion. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. That's hey. my opinion. Listen, I know I just made a judgment call there, but, you know, there it is. It's out there. Yeah. But it, it is vile. It is vile, not viral, vile uh, that he would say that. When I let Allie listen to it, she, as a school teacher who has taught and dealt with autistic and kids that are special needs, and she has a heart for special needs kids. Uh, I've got teachers in my church that are special needs teachers um, that deal with special needs kids all the time. I've got several special needs kids in our church that are adults now, and uh, I, I don't. This is it's it's vile that he would say that. Agreed. Um, so agreed, and I think at that point, let's let's move to what we want to cover today, and we're going to cover. We're going to get into our Galatians study again and cover chapter 4. So, with that being said, here's the intro. I do not mean to be mean. I do mean to be mad. You obey your pastor. If you ain't got the King James, you ain't got... Hey, if you don't have a King James, you don't have a Bible. I still believe if you're cold day in hell before I get my family from a woman, I'm a preacher. The young preachers that do love God get pulled off into Calvinism. And I'll fight it, I'll fight it. I'll fight you in the parking lot over it. I'll get personal with you. When you got dressed today, you dressed deity. This is the For Freedom Podcast, a podcast that is part of the RFP Network that seeks to bring freedom in Christ from the spiritual abuse of legalism in the independent fundamental Baptist movement. Now here are your hosts, John Hollyfield and James Seyfried. And so fundamentalism is designed to uh, unpack the idea of authority from Scripture. The problem with that is that that's not the defining principle in Scripture. It is a part of Scripture, but the defining principle in Scripture is love. that all men who sit under the, the, that teaching will become abusive. But what I'm saying is the ones who are abusive will be drawn to that sort of teaching.
I don't want to give people just a list of things they can start doing differently until they have a heart out of which they're going to be doing those things differently. Bitterness is different from hurt. I would say that hurt or even abuse does not have to result in bitterness. Welcome back, and uh, we are excited to bring to you the fourth installment of our Galatian series. And so we are going to be talking through and and John, do we want to give a little recap? Or I know time-wise, it's gonna this is a longer one as well. Um, <laughs> I know we we'll get a lot of notes with this, but uh, let's do this. Let's go ahead and read the chapter, and I'll read up to verse fifteen, mm-hmm. and you pick up at verse sixteen. And finish out the chapter. So let's begin by reading chapter four, and then uh, we'll get in to basically breaking down the chapter. So uh, Galatians chapter four. If you have your Bible, uh, we're reading from uh, James. What version are you reading from? I have the uh, John MacArthur ESV Study Bible. Okay, yeah. So I'm reading from the ESV as well. So we're in the Elect Standard Version. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. He said, mm, I don't know about that, John. He's already like, well, all right, yeah. cancel this podcast. All right. Here we the go. CSB, you know, that's the Calvinistic study Bible. Well, uh, Galatians chapter four, verse number one. Uh, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God. How can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, You did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that, if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? Then make much of you. They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you uh, out that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much for the good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children, 
from whom I am again to the anguish of childbirth unto Christ, is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about. Tell me, who desired to be under the law? Do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now, this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, Aaron bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free. She is out of, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one, who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more and than those uh, of, the, of the one who has a husband. Now you, brothers like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as the time was, uh, I'm sorry, but just as at that time, he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, so also it is now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So brothers, we are not children of the slave, but we are of the free woman. All right, so we're in this book of Galatians, and uh, like James said, let's let's do a real rapid review because we got a lot to cover. Um, Galatians is a letter that Paul wrote not to one specific church, but to a group of churches in the region of Galatia. Many, some believe, and I'm one of those who believe that this was Paul's very first letter because it was very quickly out of after his first uh, missionary journey when he got back. Very soon after that, this group comes in after him, after these people had been won to Christ and Paul had had some time to teach them and disciple them. Um, that this group called the Judaizers came in and they started teaching these people that, uh, yeah, they could find salvation in Christ, but they also had to keep um, tenets with the Old Testament law. Primarily, the men had to be circumcised. And and so Paul finds out about this, and he's very angry. And so he actually writes this letter, and some scholars in the past have had trouble interpreting even this letter and translating this letter because of the rapid pace and some of the the way the language flows from Paul's pen. Uh, Most of the time when Paul wrote a letter, he had what was called an amanuensis, a secretary, and he dictated the letter to them. But it's some understood, and we're going to get to this when we get to, I think, chapter 6, where he says, see what large letters I write this with you, um, that's believed that actually Paul was in such a rush to get this letter to the churches in Galatia that he actually didn't use a secretary this time around. He actually wrote this himself. And so he writes this out. Chapter 1, he sort of gets right into it addressing it. I mean, he used very strong language. He talks about them being seduced by another gospel, and if you are going to another gospel which isn't the gospel, then you are damned. All right, you're condemned. So another gospel is not the way to go. He then moves to chapter 2, and he gives a couple of personal stories and illustrations. He says he talks about going to the Jerusalem council with, with uh, 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 Silas and, and 
uh, their establishment there in the Jerusalem Council, which just takes place in Acts 15, won the position of the uncircumcised coming to Christ. And then he tells a story about how Peter came in and, and came and visited their ministry, and then uh, some people from James in Jerusalem came, and they, they started judging and this, had this legalistic attitude. like, I can't believe you're sitting with the Gentiles. And so Peter leaves, and Paul had to like get in Peter's face over it. From there, Paul goes into like finishing up chapter 2, talking, going into sort of a doctrinal discourse of this subject, and he starts talking about it's where we get the verse in chapter 2, verse 20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, but yet not I, Christ lives within me, and the life that I now live by the, uh, in the flesh I live by this faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That transitions into chapter 3, which is the last one we did, and chapter 3 begins talking about this difference between the uh, schoolmaster, the son, and then that flows right into where we are in chapter 4, sort of continues his thought when we get to chapter 4, talking about this. So Paul expounds the purpose, uh, again, of the law, but with a different analogy. And this analogy is the transition from slavery to sonship. James, read this quote. I, I, I got some, uh, this time we got some quotes from Wearsby because Wearsby's just like, some of his he, he quotes on this down. chapter. Do, do what? He lays the wood down. Oh my goodness. Wearsby, I, mean, I love Warren Wearsby. God read, that is a, that is a servant of God who yeah. lived well and died well. And, yeah. you know, he's been, he's been gone almost 20, 22 years now, and his, his life still, well, was it 22 years, or was it just a few years ago that he, he passed away? I'm not sure. I have to look that up. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, his testimony, has, he, he was a great servant of God. Yeah. And uh, read this quote by, by um, Wearsby. Yeah, it says, The Galatian Christian's experience is not too dark, far different from that of the Christianity today who get involved and grow up in various legalistic movements. That sound familiar to anyone? Yeah. Hoping to become better Christians, wear this, do that, go this place, go that place. Their motives may be right, but their methods are wrong. Mm -hmm. Warren Risby. Their motives may be right, but their methods are wrong. <clears throat> Examine to yourself and ask yourself, how are your motives? How are your methods what are the things that we're doing in our life with our children with the people that we're responsible to uh when we disciple people are our motives right or our methods right or our methods wrong uh and this is where paul really gets into this part of slavery and sonship uh and we began to start uh breaking this chapter down into three sections that we're going to talk about today uh the first one uh we'll look at verses one through seven and we're going to talk about adoption and, and what adoption means, and adoption is is near to my heart. Me and my wife, we had actually talked about adopting uh, and fostering before we got pregnant with our third son, with our thirdborn uh, with Hudson. And that's still a desire in our life. It's still a desire to foster and adopt kids. Uh, and so the, these chapters really mean a lot to me. And so when we begin to to go through this, Paul starts out by correlating. Uh, what adoption is and, and how this can affect to us. And he, and he really begins in verse one and says, what is the status of a child? What is a child in, in, in this passage? And it starts out by saying he is an heir. Uh, a child is no different from a slave, though he is an owner of everything. Uh, and so he begins to say, listen, a, a child has ownership, has value uh, in this, in this life. 
Uh, and ultimately that value is, is under the authority of the father. Verse two, uh, Wearsby again says the sinner trusts Christ and is saved as far as his condition is concerned. He is a spiritual babe who needs to grow, but as far as his position is concerned, he is an adult son who can draw on the father's wealth and can exercise all the wonderful privileges of a son. That is, that great, is where right? we're at. That's we, great. We have, or, or, yes, we're a child, we're growing, but that child still has all of the wealth, all the power, all of the, the glory that the Christ has for us. And we have the ability to, to possess that through prayer, through discipleship, through growing. Uh, John, as we're going through some of these, these trainings, uh, one of the, the counselors, as I was going through a video just yesterday, he said, do you desire to live for God more than you desire to breathe? Is your desire in your life to grow closer to God so that you desire to be closer to God than you actually desire to eat, to breathe, to sleep? And that's a question we have to ask ourselves because as a, as a child, that should be our desire to grow closer to Jesus in everyday life. Yeah. And this is where that condition grows as a child. Yeah. And this is very doctrinal. I love this theology. I love this doctrine that is just rich in this area right here. Verse three says, in the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of this world. And so, you know, there's, there's, uh, when, when still living under Judaism or paganism, it's, it was like living as a child. The law did not recognize those who were under it as mature. And the basic elements of pagan thought and life only enslaved to sin. It, 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 I was, I've been reading, I'm about to finish up the book, um, uh, Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. He uses an illustration in there uh, sort of talking about this very thing. And he says, think of a son who is just like diligently working in the house. He, he cleans his room. He cleans the kitchen. He, his dad comes home from work, and he, he quickly rushes out and starts washing the car uh, very, very, uh, like, diligently. And, and he's just doing all these things, working himself to the bone, working hard and hard and hard. And the dad finally comes out and says, son, what are you, why are you working so hard? And he's like, and the son replies, dad, I'm just, I'm trying to earn my way to be your son. And the dad looks at him and says, you don't have to earn being my son. You're my son. Mm. And that's the idea here. Yeah. When we are grafted into God's family at, at salvation, we don't have to earn it anymore. Yeah. We're part of the family. We're mm -hmm. his sons. And, and what's what Paul's trying to get across here is that being sons— we become heirs. Yeah. You know, think about that. James, talk about that a little bit as far as the aspect of inheritance. Yeah. You know, as a, my, my dad, he just adopted four kids and it's crazy that he did, but, but he adopted them. And, and I was talking to him just the other day and I said, you know, dad, legally, you can write me out of your will. You can take everything away from me and I can get nothing. But because you adopted those kids, those kids have to be in your will. And when we go through this thought, and that's a, that's we've heard that before. But when you really think about it, when you think about being adopted, you can't be written out, you can't be taken out of the Father's will. We are adopted. 
mm-hmm. into the family of God. And so because we're adopted, that will, that promise that God has given us is always going to be there for us. Uh, and that is encouraging to know because uh, this is this is a thought that can really ground us in in our theology, can ground us in our worth and our value and our identity. Right now, we're going through an identity study for our youth. And this is where we can really determine where our value is at because it's in Christ. You want another uh, mic dropped quote from Warren Wiersbe? Yeah, go ahead, John. Give it to us. Legalism is not a step toward maturity. Yeah. It is a step back into childhood. <laughs> Man, Wiersbe's. You know, and let's 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 dive a little bit more into the text here a little bit. There's there's a a, a phrase that jumps out in verse three and in verse nine. Uh, elementary principles of the world, which is how it is translated in the ESV. And so there's been some debate among commentators and scholars on what this is talking about, what Paul's referring to. Um, I actually take the position that he's referring to what he talks about in Colossians 2a. See that, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according, according to the elementary principles of the world rather than according to Christ. And I I think what he means here, what he's talking about here, my opinion is that uh, the elementary principles of the world are these philosophies, these ideas, these teachings of the world system. And when we say the world system, we're talking about the the idea world teaching system that is opposed to Christ. Mm -hmm. It is these other ideas that come in that are unbiblical, anti-biblical. And, um, and listen, we got to be careful with that. A wholesale rejection of legalism is not a, it should not be a wholesale acceptance of everything that the world teaches. And we have to be careful with that. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about everything. I'm not, I'm talking about like, be careful what you're listening to in the news. It's, you sound like a fundamentalist. Listen, I'm saying that we have to have discernment. Yeah. You can't must forsake, have discernment. You can't forsake all principles that were taught. There are some things we have to guard our heart against. Yes. There are some things we have to guard our mind against. I think uh, Brian Edwards had said on the one of the most recent uh, RFP things, he said, uh, podcast, he said, I haven't watched the news in months, and it's just really changed the way I think and I approach things. I don't even know what's going on a lot of times, but it it, it gives me clarity in my mind, and, and I'm caught up in this often because I love news, I love politics, I love listening to those things, uh, and I have to sometimes guard myself because I can be so consumed with just listening to those things to where my mind it becomes on a bent toward or against certain people or things. Um, and so this is a, a huge thought because we do need to uh, regulate those principles, as John said. Yeah. So then he talks a little bit more about how we – uh, attain this adoption or how this adoption came to us in verses four and five. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law. This is the when, the who, the how, and then the what and the why in verse five to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoptions as sons. When, when the fullness of time had come, who God sent forth his son, mm-hmm. how born of woman, born under the law. What? What was the purpose of this? To redeem those who were under the law. Why? So they might receive adoption as sons. Get that. Yeah. Right here you have the gospel. 
Yeah. And he gets to the end of it, and he says this. Now, there's other reasons in Scripture given for the reason of the gospel. Here's one of the reasons given. To bring you into the family. Yeah. How great is that? So that How we great call is him that? Abba Father. So we can call Oh, we're going we're going to get to that. Yeah, Don't get ahead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so James cover 6 and 7 the result of our adoption. The result of the adoption. What does this do? Verse 6. And because you are sons, God has sent you the spirit of his son into our hearts. He he allowed the spirit of of God to come into our hearts to direct our path so that we can call him Abba, Father. The Arabic term here, the word father here, is a term of endearment that a young child would use towards their father, literally translated dada or papa, dada. Uh, That was my son's first words. Uh, My daughter, both of my son's first words was dada. Uh, I can remember it very vividly in my mind, even just a couple of months ago when Allie came home from work and it was a Friday and uh, I was working with Hudson and all of a sudden he looked at me and he said, Dada. And I came in and I said, Allie, you'll never believe what Hudson just said. And she got, you know, and mom, she wants him to say mama first, but he looked at her and he said, Dada. And when he <laughs> said that, man, my heart melted because as a father, that is that term of endearment that is so close when someone calls us that, when, when Jade falls down and hurts herself and she reaches up to her dad to help her. That's that's that that's that instinct that we have as dads. And if me being a fallible, sinful man still can show love to my daughter, imagine how much greater the love that God has for us when we reach to him in our helpless state and say, Dad, Dad, I need help. Yeah, I father, think I, I, I thought about this with like every culture has uh, some type of way that children express this type of uh, beginning uh, affection towards a father in their life, you know, uh, poppy, papa, mm-hmm. dada, daddy, you know, it, it, whatever it is. But I, I think that this is, I, I just, I just love this because this is what the gospel brings us to. It brings us to that point to where we now have the relationship with God that in those quiet times, we can look at him and say, dad, father, holy father. What this means so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. James talked about that a little bit with the, uh, with the, the talk about inheritance. Max Anders says this, grace is adulthood, law is childhood, with privileges of adulthood. Why regress back to the law? Yeah. Sonship means heirship. Why do you want to go back to the way it was? Why? So this sort of transitions to the next part of the text, Verses 8 through 20, Paul's parental plea. And this sort of is, is, is also a little bit of a transition. We have a transition in this where it starts going from doctrinal to more of a heartfelt plea and applicational <clears throat> in the book. And so, um, so let's, verse 8 says, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God's. So what's the state? Let's let's think about this. What is the state of those before you're in Christ? Lost, dead. It's enslaved in our sins. Yeah. Yeah, you're enslaved to sin. That's that's your past state. And that's everybody's state. We are enslaved to sin. All right? 
Next, verse 9, James. Verse 9, it goes into this present reality. He continues on by saying, but now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back against to the weak and the worthless, the elementary principles, as John said, whose slaves you want to be once more? Man, my mind was reminded just now of, of the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. They were in bondage, and Pharaoh was giving them more and more uh, legal, more and more responsibilities, and and made them make their own their own bricks, and made their work ten times harder. and And they left from there. God gave them freedom, and they are just a couple of days removed from that freedom. And they they see the mountains, and they see the Red Sea, and they they looked at Pharaoh and said, "Just let us go back to live in slavery again." I know you brought us out of freedom and you brought us into this, this life that we're going to go into the promised land. And, and we, and God's provided for us in the desert. He's, he provided a way of escape out of Egypt, but you know, we, we really like the, the life of slavery. Can we go back? And yet this is where we're at so many times. Paul again is addressing this in the new Testament. And yet 2000 years later, we're still addressing it because we are comfortable being in that slave ship instead of the sonship. And this is where he says, this is the reality that you're in. We are heirs. God has saved us and he has given us all things in Christ, but yet we still desire to be under the bondage of slave, uh, under the bondage of sin. And it boggles my mind when we want to be in that sin. We want to be in that slave uh, to, to the flesh. And we don't want our life to grow towards Christ because it's comfortable being in sin. Yeah. And can I say this? Stop looking for answers in the world. Yeah. That's what Paul's saying. You have been brought in to God's and now are known by God. Why do you turn back to the weak and worthless elementary principles? Why? Why? Stop going to the world for answers. Yeah. Find those who can break it down. Learn to study God's word for yourself and get those answers in God's word. Mm-hmm. I, listen, we champion common grace here. We do. We love that. We know that we don't have the monopoly on finding observable truth. But crying out loud, I am so burdened by the church, by Christians who think that they need to, that they don't classify anything as something that they've learned or solid truth unless somebody unsaved says it. Yeah. Sorry. Maybe I'm getting a little bit too worked no, up you're about good. this. You're but good. when you said champion, common grace i thought you were talking about champion where we went to college at john oh okay i was, I was, I was taking back uh, the moment <laughs> but this is paul's concern as well look at verses yeah. 10 and 11 you observe days and months and seasons and years i'm afraid i may have labored over you in vain his concern was that all of his work had been for nothing yeah because they went back to cover this was something that uh, that was also done in in the laws like observing like certain days and and certain holy days and ritual days that they were they were saying that now they had to do and so now this was set apart and you must do this or you know you can't celebrate this on this day and that and that kind of stuff and so paul was like i didn't teach you that that's lunacy stop acting that way i like what swindoll says ultimately Championing the, championing the gospel isn't about winning or losing arguments. It's about God's people gaining or losing freedom. Yeah. That's good. That's so true because that is where we are at 
as a church, that's where we're at as a people. That's where we came out of. It is gaining or losing freedom that God has given us the freedom. Now, Uh, here's an interesting section, James. Yeah. Paul goes into some more personal pleas with them in verses 12 to 16. I want you to sort of dig into that a little bit. So he he begins to reflect or recollect some things. Uh, This part of the letter transitions from a doctrinal discourse to more of a heart-to-heart talk. Uh, He begins in verses 12 to 13 by saying uh, the reason for being with them. uh, What what was Paul suffering from? He he began in verse 12, and he says, Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of my bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. Uh, So he begins to go through this this sorrow of saying, listen, it hurt me to do this. It was painful in my body, but yet I continued to do it. And you're, well, you're what he's talking right. about. Yeah. What he's talking about is whenever he first met them, when he first got there, the, he was suffering. There was something going on with him and they brought him in and took care of him. Now here's where there's a big theological question. What was Paul suffering from? And there's a lot of speculation on it. You know, like, was it something that was internal? Was it was it something going on? Does this have to do with what he talked about in Corinthians with that uh, thing, that thorn in the flesh that he asked God to deliver from him for so long? And this, uh, the, the, the most, probably the most, like, uh, probably I think the best sort of answer that I've ever heard and one that I sort of speculate to be the, the one is that he had trouble with his eyes. Paul had some major issues with his eyesight, and he wished God would fix his eyesight, and God used that to keep him weak and depended on him. But apparently some kind of sickness that he had was really affecting his eyes here, and they brought him in and, and took care of him. In fact, I think he even talks about yeah, verse 14, uh, how, how well they treated him. Yeah, and, and he, he, and he says that they would have gouged out their own eyes, uh, verse 15, you yeah. would have gouged out your your eyes and given them to me. That's how much they cared for him. Yeah. And he's he's actually congr- he's like I love you guys for that. I'll never forget that. Yeah. But yeah. now I've become your enemy? Yeah. And and then he gives this direct question which is where I picked up reading and I wanted to say something at the time but you know I I I wanted to just finish reading. But but listen to these words again. Have I then become your enemy? By telling you the truth. Man, how powerful is that statement? Because what what does the Bible say? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faith, I would rather my friend tell me the truth. I want John to tell me, James, you're an idiot. Stop doing what you're doing. Because I know I can trust him. I know that if he's going to tell me that, it's because he cares about me and he loves me. And I'm going to do the same to him. If he's doing something that is inappropriate or wrong, I, I want to be able to have that ability to correct him and to say that, hey, listen, check up where you're at. You need to, these are some things you need to change. And we've had to do that before to each other. And so this is a direct question. Am I your enemy? Because I tell you the truth. Because the Bible says the truth will set us free. And so we have that freedom in the truth that we were set free from our sin because of the truth of the gospel. And so we now have this opportunity to where Paul is saying, listen, I'm coming and I'm giving you this, this, this is from a heart. I'm telling you the truth of where you're at. Once you loved me and now you're, you're going back to those old ways. And so he's given the truth and he's allowing the truth to hopefully again, set them free 
from the legalism that has been brought into their life again. Man, that's a great point, James, because that is where we need it. You know, we don't, what I was just talking about earlier about stepping away from the elementary, ele, elementary principles of the world. I mean, Jesus' prayer to God in John 17, the high priestly prayer, he, t- he prays to God, set them apart, sanctify them in, the, in, the, in your truth. Your word is truth. Mm-hmm. Jesus says the way that you're supposed to change, the way that's been ordained for you to change and grow in your Christian walk, to grow more like Christ, is through the truth. Mm-hmm. And what is truth? It's God's word. He even defined it for us. Yeah. And so we need that truth. We must have that truth. Exactly. So Paul continues on with this and even transitions from like talking about how they were so good to him. Then he talks about sort of like defending a little bit and pointing out the other, the Judaizers problem in verse 17. He says, they make much of you. He's talking about the Judaizers. They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want Mm -hmm. to shut you out that you make much of them. Wow. He exposes them right away. What does he say? He says, they flatter you, but for not a good purpose. Mm -hmm. And he says, why do they want you? Because they want you to turn around and build them up and make them up. Now, here's another great quote from Wearsby. Wearsby says, a true servant of God does not use people to build up himself or his work. He ministers in love to help people know Christ better and glorify him. Beware of that religious worker who wants your exclusive allegiance because he is the only one who is right. <gasps> um, he will use you as long as he can and then drop you for somebody else and your fall will be a painful one. The task of the spiritual leader is to get people to love and follow Christ, not to promote himself and his ministry. Sometimes when I read these quotes, and and I have all of what Warren Worthy has ever wrote, I almost think he's writing to the IFB church <laughs> at times. Because, man, these are things that when we read these and we know the history, and if you don't know the history, go back and listen to some of our first episodes where we talk through the history of the IFB because this is building up a man versus building up God and building up a ministry instead of building up his kingdom. And this is so true. So true. Yeah. And then he acknowledges the Galatians weakness in verse 18. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose. Mm-hmm. He acknowledges that. Yeah. So is it, is it good to be made much of for a good purpose? Yeah. I get I that guys. I get why that was enticing to you. And not only when I am present with you, and then verse 19, he expresses this parental love again. My little children, mm-hmm. for whom I am again in anguish, in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. James, I remember in 2018, we went to T4G. Mm-hmm. And while we were there, we heard some excellent preaching all week. And while we were there, John MacArthur preached this message. And he preached on this one verse, Galatians 4.19. And he talked about the role of ministers and what our, our goal should be for our people. Mm-hmm. Not to build big buildings, not to have a bunch of people, but our goal mm-hmm. is to labor and anguish until Christ is formed in them. Yeah. That's our goal. That's our first and foremost goal. Me and you as shepherds, as ministers of the gospel to in the local church, what is our goal? Our goal is to see our people being formed in Christ. That's it. And Paul 
puts this in such language that he was just, it was like the anguish of childbirth. I mean, he travailed over it. He, 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 it, it, it got to his soul of wanting to see them formed in Christ to become more like Christ. Yeah, exactly. That is so true. And that let's, let's go ahead and finish up. We're getting close here to the end. We're going to look at the last 10 verses and we're going to look at Paul's biblical illustrations. And he sets up these, these questions, these comparisons almost. And he gives this illustration in verses 21, 22 uh, and continue on. He uses this, this allegory as a spiritual or symbolic, 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 I'm sorry, interpretation of a story that has literal meaning as well. And so, John, let's go ahead and talk to the Abraham's two sons and the differences in their births. Uh, John, we're going to talk about that real quick. All right. So this is something that I also want to throw out a warning here. And this is the idea of allegory and scripture. All right. First of all, when it comes to allegories, Allegories, James read the definition there. Let me read it again. An allegory is a spiritual or symbolic interpretation of a story that has a literal meaning. We have to, the, the problem with something like the story that we're about to cover, it, which is an allegory, is that people have taken it as license mm. to then think that they can go to each and every Old Testament story and turn it into an allegory with some kind of spiritual meaning, and then that's how you handle the text. And I think that's a huge error when it comes to biblical handling, biblical interpretation, because I think the only reason why we would do something like that here is because we're actually specifically told in the text, let's use this as an allegory for this point. And here we have it within the text that that's what's going on. I think lots and lots of mishandling of Scripture and error has come by people trying to allegorize narrative portions of the Bible. And whenever you see somebody doing that, red flags should go up because what happens is eventually they think that they're making such good points, they're making points that aren't even in Scripture and aren't scriptural. In fact, many times end up contradicting scriptural truth from other places in the text. So anytime you see somebody or hear somebody or hear a preacher trying to allegorize an old— and most of the time it's the Old Testament stories— allegorize that— Red flag should go up. You should start taking very careful notes and making sure that what they're saying actually checks out and what they're saying comes from the text. Now, with that being said, well, this is mentioned oh. as an allegory. Go ahead, James. It's almost like uh, someone were to get up and say, you know, you are David. Oh, you, yeah. you need to take that yeah. giant down. Go, go conquer your giant because you are David. Yeah, thank you, Matt Chan- Chandler. You're not David. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So here we go. He uses he says he says first of all starts off with this question, and he says, "Tell me in verse 21, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law?" He's like, "You want to now say this is the you can't keep the law. Why do you want to be under this thing?" And then yeah. go verse 22, and he starts the story. For it is written that Abraham had two sons. One by a slave woman, which is uh, Hagar. One by the free woman, um, which is Sarah. All right. So, real quickly, we're going to break this down because we're 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 going long. Woman one, Hagar, represented by Mount Sinai, the Old Testament covenant, the Old Testament law. Present Jerusalem is slavery. 
That's mm-hmm. all the things it represents. That's all the things woman one in this allegorical understanding represents. The son of the, verse 23, the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free was born through promise. Mm-hmm. Now, this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants, one Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Verse 25, now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. So woman two, and I'm going to have James read verse 26 and 27 here. Woman number two is Sarah, rep- uh, mentioned to as our mother in the mm-hmm. text, represented by Jerusalem above. And here he quotes Isaiah 54 1. I'll bring I'll, I'll bring Isaiah 54 1 up and represented as free or freedom. James, read 26 and 27. 26 and 27. But <clears throat> but the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear, break forth and cry aloud. You who are not in labor, for the children of the desolate one will be more than those who have uh, more than the one who has a husband. And that is a um, that's a a, uh, a quotation or reference to Isaiah fifty four one that says, "Shout for joy, O barren one! You who have borne no child, break forth in joyful shouting and cry aloud! You who have not travailed, for the sons of the desolate one will be more numerous than the sons of the married woman," says the Lord. Yeah, that's good. So we have this situation. Why are we going to be of the slave? We need to be of the free. So the application of the story now comes in verse 28. Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. So what are we supposed to If we're in Christ, are we of the slave woman, Hagar, or are we of the free woman? The we're of the free woman. woman. We're of Sarah. Freedom. That's us. <laughs> Freedom. <laughs> Let's go. But just, verse 29, but just as at that time, he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, so also is it now. What is he referring to? He's referring that once Isaac came along, if you remember the story in Genesis, Ishmael, the little teenage brat, was like, I don't like this. I don't like you. And he started picking on him and making fun of him. It led to this uh, this bad situation where you know Sarah kicked out Hagar and and all this stuff, and 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 that was this. He persecuted. What he's Paul referring to, uh, referring to here, is that, that Ishmael, son of Hagar, was persecuting Isaac. And what he's saying is those, those who are of the slave woman, unbelievers, are going to persecute those of the free. True. Those who are in Christ now. That's what he's speaking of. So then, verse thirty. But what does Scripture say? What does Scripture say? So Paul, here he goes again, going back to the Bible. He's going back to, to Scripture in his text. And this should be an example for us. Going to Scripture for points, for proving points. There's a little shot at... Never mind, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, cast out the slave woman and her son... For the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. And he's referring to Genesis 21, 10, and 12. Yeah. So what's our application, John? Swindoll so says this. His point's clear. Christians must reject legalism and refute those who teach it. Yeah, that's clear. And, and it ends, John, here before we give some practical things. Verse 31, 
the the doctrinal point to the whole thing. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but we are children of the free woman. We are free. We are not bound by the law. We are not bound by legalism. We are not bound by uh, whatever situation that you're in. We are in a free we, we are brought by a price, and we do not have to live in legalism anymore. Uh, God has freed us. He has redeemed us, and that should be an encouragement to us all. And the next verse, it is for freedom. Mm. Christ has set us free. Let's Stand know. firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Galatians 5.1, which is our verse. <laughs> yes. It's our verse. And that is what we are trying to listen. We, we, we champion and we shout, Scripture is what is our authority. We need to obey Scripture. We are not for trying to give you some type of license to sin. We are not for what's called antinomianism. Mm -hmm. Meaning now that you're you're not under the law, you can do it. That's not what we're about. But listen, we also want to champion and shout for freedom as much as possible because in Christ you are free. Yeah. I used this illustration last night. And uh, I asked him, I, I, I said, do you think when you hear the phrase, you the Bible has the way that you were intended to live or the way you're supposed to live laid out for you, uh, how you're supposed to live— I asked these young people, I said, do you feel like th that phrase right there is um, is restrictive? And one of them said, yeah, sort of. I said, think about it like this. And I used this illustration. I said, think about a, a train. Think about a, a, a train coming down railroad tracks. And think about the person laying the railroad tracks for that train. And let's say that person was like, you know what? I want to lay these railroad tracks whatever way I want to. In fact, let's zigzag them a little bit right here. In fact, let's take some of these railroad track pieces and spell out my name. And that would be really cool. And lay out the railroad tracks like that. Now, when the train comes and gets to that section of track, what's going to happen? It's mm -hmm. going to be an awful crash, mm -hmm. chaos, destruction, devastation, right? But when you lay the tracks down like they're supposed to go, when the train comes through and it's barreling, it is coming through free as it's supposed to be. And it is a force to be reckoned with. Mm -hmm. It can, a train, when tracks are laid and it stays on its tracks, can just be what it's created to be with as much force as it wants. And that is what God's word is to our lives. It sets the freedom for us to be who we were created to be. Yeah. It's reminded of the song by uh, Tom Petty, Free Fallen Baby. <laughs> <laughs> love we it. May, we may I love to, it. We have to end as our closing as just playing that song. I don't know if we have copyright issues or whatever, but yeah, probably you know, we're free falling, baby. We we that's how we free are. Free falling. I wasn't gonna sing it, John, but <laughs> if you want to, you can. And uh, another yeah. another another place where we probably need to edit edit. Nah, we don't edit here. So we, we don't edit here. That's our that should be our motto for Freedom Podcast, where we don't edit here. We don't edit here, so we're great. That's good. 
Uh, James, so I, hope- <laughs> I love this. Going through this Galatians 4. Why do we wait so long to do it? Because you're a bum. That's why. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure to be here with you, and I'm glad for you to- you've tuned in. And, uh, you know, I I miss getting together, John, every week, uh, but I know that our schedules don't allow us. And so uh, if you uh, have any thoughts or questions, we've had several people reach out to us. We've been able to meet up with some people. Uh, we are planning to be at uh, the T4G this year. It's the last year of it. Uh, this will be in April. And uh, if anyone is there and wants to have a little meetup, we're going to meet up with everybody. We've got a couple of people that we know they're going to be there. Uh, I've already reached out to a college friend of mine, uh, Charles Loader, and uh, he's Loader. Gonna be, he's going to be meeting us there, and uh, we're going to have a good time hanging out. And so, uh, it'll be a time where if you're in the area or if you're close by in Kentucky, it's going to be at Louisville. Uh, at the um, it was going to be at the Yum Center, but they moved it to a different location, which is just like one block away. But still, we're going to be in that area uh, in April, and so hopefully we can see you then. Uh, John, any other announcements or anything coming up that we need to? No, we got we're we're getting some interviews scheduled, and um, we're we got some topics that we want to cover. We're going to cover a topic on um, uh, struggling with your uh, your uh, married couples' sexual intimate life when it's been complicated or struggling with one of the spouses past abuse. And uh, we're going to cover that topic with some authors. Um, we're going to cover the topic of um, messy church, messy people, and loving messy people and having and, and, and that kind of subject. So I'm excited about that one. We're trying to line up some things as far as like doing something also on wisdom as it concerns social media. And, uh, and so we got some things. If you have something that you'd like for us to cover... Like James said, reach out to us. We we like to hear some feedback and sort of we want to cover things that are relevant that that also that go in line with the message of what we're trying to do, but also that would be something that uh, people would be interested in hearing what some biblical wisdom about. So, John, as, what's your email address? Four F O U R F R E E D O M. Stop laughing at me, James. For freedom at Yahoo dot come send us an email there reach out to us on social media uh we're both on facebook john's on twitter uh, i'm on twitter as well um, i'm not on twitter the the, 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 the podcast is on yes is on twitter reach out to us direct message us uh you've got my phone number on episode something i don't know another back there shoot me a text uh we'd love to reach out to you any way we can be a help or a blessing to you we want to, and uh, it, it's encouraging to me. It's encouraging to John. I know when when people reach out and say that our conversations are helping them, you know, this is what me and John do. We just talk, and we are still blown away that people listen to our conversations. So it's a blessing for that. So, well, this one probably go down in the ranks as sort of a spicy one. <laughs> so, until next time, to God, not the pastor, be the glory. Thanks for listening to the For Freedom Podcast. To find more content like this, please visit rfpnetwork.org. To find more podcasts like this one, resources, and meetups to encourage you on your journey.